Greetings, everyone, and welcome to episode 71 of Teaching Tales, the podcast totally devoted to sharing stories from the world of education. I am your host, Brent Coley, elementary principal in beautiful Southern California. And joining me today is the one, the only, Sarah Johnson. Sarah, how are you? I'm doing so well. And I'm a little jealous because California is sunny and Wisconsin is frigid. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been following some of the tweets and seeing uh, Joe Sanfilippo's one minute walks to work and stuff like that. It's not quite that bad. It was a frigid, I think we had a high of 58 today. <laughs> so, and, so um, and, and we were complaining, but it's like, I will not, uh, we will not complain there. So no, and I think everything's, you know, relative to what your experience is. So if that's it's, cold for you, then it's cold. It, well, it's, it's, it, it was chilly. I wouldn't even say it's cold. So <laughs> yes, we're, we, we count our blessings here in, in Southern California. Cold is like you said, a very relative term. So, well, Sarah, I, as we were talking before we started recording, I am really excited to chat with you. Um, and before we get into that talk, for anyone who is is not familiar with you or your work, uh, give a little give our listeners a little uh, little background. Who is Sarah Johnson? Oh boy. Okay, so I am an educator. I am uh, recently enjoying the experience of being a podcaster. I have published a couple of books, and I'm a mom and a wife, and just trying to figure out what I am supposed to be for the rest of my life. I have a, <clears throat> excuse me, a mentor that always asks me what I want to be when I grow up, and I love that question. Um, and he's asked me that for I think a total of 17 years, and I'm just still trying to figure that out. But I have been a English teacher. I was a six through 12 English teacher on a cart in a tiny little district. I've been a leader at the district level and at the building level for elementary, middle, and high school as a principal, and uh, currently just loving um, the space where I get to serve educators and other professionals with the message that came out of the first book that I was able to co-author, which is Going Beyond Balance. It's a balance like a pirate. I spent a lot of time sharing uh, information that I learned and continue to learn on that to help educators specifically but also others just to kind of be immersed in their full lives. And then I uh, recently got a book published by myself, which just seems kind of crazy. I didn't publish it. I wrote it, <laughs> but just on a framework for leadership that's spiritually driven. So I'm just really loving that. And um, in a season of my life, just trying to serve well with the gifts I've been given. And one of that uh, is that in all podcast. So I amplify women on that podcast and I, launch episodes every week that I believe has a mission in the message. So, I mean, there's a lot of little things going on in this world that add up to kind of a big thing, but serving others and educators specifically is really my passion. Well, I, I've, I've recently connected with you uh, via, via the professional learning network and, and just in the very limited time that I've um, come across your work, as I said, I just wanted to really have a chat with you because, <clears throat> excuse me, because what you're doing, and, and most recently your, your newest book, uh, like you said, talking about uh, building that strong foundation, you talked about balance, which is so important. I remember in my second year of teaching, I've, I think I've talked about this in previous episodes, it's like when I came to that realization that you're never going to get it all done. Mm -hmm. Like we could stay at work till midnight every night and we still would never get it all done. And such a freeing experience that was for me. But your, your newest book, Lead with Faith, 
we've talked about in, in, in my podcast, risk taking. I was looking back at previous episodes, episode two, episode three, 18, 41 are all about risk taking. But you talk about, and I'm not, as I was talking before we recorded, before we started recording, I'm not totally done with the book, but what I've read so far is you're taking it like beyond just taking a risk to living in faith and slaying, you talk about like slaying fear. So many of us, we struggle with living in fear. I know I do. And you talk about living in faith and and, and you write about a story, um, a professional story that really resonated with me. And if you're comfortable sharing that, I would, I would love to hear kind of what, how did, how did you step out into faith professionally? <laughs> so, well, here's the cool part. When I think about the term risk, I think my uh, illustration is obedient risk and that's how I've aligned my life. And it's not been an easy journey, but as I share um, in that Lead with Faith book, it once I became convicted, it was really quick. And I have, I've, I can't say I haven't questioned it because it's kind of bananas to up and resign from your dream job. <laughs> mm. um, so I always share this. I wanted to be a principal before I even finished my teaching license. It's just a passion of mine. I, I loved leading and serving and in that role, there's just so much influence that you can have. But I also have shared like in balance, like a pirate. Um, I lost my identity in the service to that role mm. uh, for a good long while. And when I talk about, um, you know, whether leading out of faith or leading out of fear, I know what it's like to lead out of fear. And as an administrator, when you have all eyes on you all the time and my particular context, uh, the, in my most recent position was just very fraught with disruption and, um, challenge to a degree that I know now few people have, you know, experienced all of the things that I did in a short amount of time. But the interesting part is, and, and anybody that knows me and knows the local story, or at least the version they think they know, is I actually left this position um, not at the time when it was the hardest. <laughs> That's why people were so surprised because yeah. things had finally settled and uh, we're going in the right direction for a lot of reasons. And I had a conviction from the Holy Spirit. I'll never forget it. It was a Thursday. We had a snow day and I brought my daughters to swim at our local hotel pool. And I was just sitting there writing in my journal and it was, and it, I can open it up now and look at it clear as day. It was, it's, uh, I needed to leave and I, I needed to not question it. And I was going to be asked to stay and my husband wasn't going to want me to go, but I needed to do this to step out in faith and to, take the path that, that God has made for me. And mm. it was, I mean, yeah, it was scary, <laughs> but, uh, and I'll tell you, I came home and I told my husband and he said, um, only crazy people leave their job without one lined up. And I've shared that with him. We kind of chuckle now. Um, but we did, we ended up uh, making that decision together within a span of a couple of days because things just happened in such a, in such a way that you can't explain. Um, but we yep. just both knew. And so, I didn't up and leave that minute. I we held we held on to that information for a good month and processed what that might look like, and then I did submit my resignation in February to be effective at the end of June. So I had the opportunity to lead um, and gracefully walk away from a position that I loved and people that I loved. And fast forward to now, that risk has been stunning. I. Never would have thought. So Balance Like a Pirate came out just days after I completed my contract. And since then, um, 
know, I'm able to keynote and go around the country and speak and share a message of hope and restoration and immersion. And with this book, Lead with Faith, I'm I've written a labor of love and the message that I believe I was called out to write. And I know that I could not have done that the same way had I been in the mix of that lovely, intense job of the principal role. So I can (laughs) see why, you know, I needed to be able to have space to focus. And also to be very honest, I needed to be able to remove myself so that I could see myself more clearly because I had started writing a pretty ugly narrative. Uh, based upon what I believed other people perceived of me. And so um, I just have been able to kind of re-gift a lot of that reflection that came from that very heavy risk. And it's been good. It's been beautiful. Well, again, from what I've read so far, I just just to uh, encourage you that God is using your book with me <laughs> because oh. it, is, it, is re- it has really resonated with me. And that was one of the things that, that resonate. You use the word obey, and that 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 you knew you you heard his voice and needed to obey, and that is a really scary thing. Like your husband said, like uh, <laughs> only thirty people quit their job. It's kind of like because we had a um, I had a similar experience, a couple similar experiences, but the first one was. Um, and this one don't think, but don't think I've shared before, but um, my wife had a similar experience with that with her job where she heard the calling that she needed to leave hmm. and came to me saying, Brent, we like, I need to leave this job, which meant we would not have the income that we were definitely counting on. And, uh, it meant we would probably lose our house. Mm. And, and the crazy thing was when she told me that, and I said, okay, (laughs) which she knew then this must be a God thing because (laughs) that's not me. (laughs) We, I mean, I'm, I'm very, I'm, I, I like to control things and have things under control. And the fact that that uh, I was like, okay, it was like, obviously I was, I was attempting to be obedient and uh, without going into all the details, it was a long road, but where we are now, the, the tri- trials and tribulations that we went through because of that, we came out on the other side um, much stronger, much uh, closer. And just, again, it's no fun going through it at the time. It's, scary, really scary. But, um, just when you obey and come through the other side, you can, you can see it on the, on the back end, like, wow, that, that was the right thing to do. Yeah. And I'm proud of you for supporting that. And it's, it's nice that you can, you know, kind of share the other end of that, that things have gone well, because I think when you're in the midst of it, even if you know, you still, there's the world, especially I think does a really great job of questioning us <laughs> to mm-hmm. make us feel like we got to be, you know, crazy. Uh, is it really possible that that's why, or, you know, did she get fired or, you know, all there's all those questions I'm sure that you all faced, yeah. um, you know, when you're making a choice like that, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that it worked out well for you too. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. And, and like you said, you, you would have not. You would not be where you are today, having the opportunities where you are today, and being able to travel and, and to to 
serve in a different capacity to a larger audience than your thousand or however many students there were, 2,000 students in your school, you're now able to impact countless more um, all over the country. So I just think that's, I just think that's amazing. Well, it is. And I'll tell you, um, this is something that I guess I've shared, but maybe your listeners will hear it for the first time is that I got consistent messages over and over was that I'm so supposed to seek to teach masses (laughs) and that old dreams would become new. And he just, it was like, I consistently every day for several months got that and I would rewrite it and rewrite it and whatever that meant. And even still, I'll be honest. I mean, I've wanted to land back in a position. I thought, oh, this position opened up in our in our district, it must be my time to get back into school leadership. And my husband is actually the one who reminds me now, which is very interesting, um, is that that's not masses. You know, you're you have 26 staff members, uh, 30, 30, 350 students, which is big for where we are. That was not masses. Um, and he reminds me of that. And though I miss like the daily interaction, it's true. So, and that old dreams became, will become new piece. That's been, so I actually started out wanting to be a broadcast journalist. And so doing the podcast is kind of nuts when you think about that. Um, and I've always wanted to write books and I'm in the middle of writing a, a fictional novel too. And so there's just a lot that's happening right now that is so clear that whatever, you know, when he, if, if you're lucky enough to hear like directive from the Holy spirit, you better listen. (laughs) Let's just be honest. Very few of us can hear those words so clearly and distinctly. And, and even still, since now I don't want to pretend as if I do all the time, I still question and I still humanly misinterpret what is meant, you know? So Sure. No, absolutely. Like you said, we we don't, yeah, when you hear it, (laughs) and usually oftentimes, at least with me, sometimes it's kind of like, I look back and think, oh, geez, that I probably should have listened, or I probably, I probably, yeah, had I listened, how many problems would I have saved myself? So So, did you have a second story? Because I think you said you had two. I I, I did. Um, So, and this one was more professional with me, and and just it, it, it revolves around that that faith, kind of like with you feeling like you know what, I need to I need to step down. Uh, when I was when I had just gotten my teaching, excuse me, my my administrative credential, um, I had the opportunity to come out of the classroom. My principal was going to have to have some surgery over uh, over the winter break, and asked me to come out and uh, kind of be like an. Uh, uh, interim assistant principal while the assistant principal stepped up and was the acting principal in her absence. She thought, wow, this would be a great opportunity for you to get some experience. And I'm like, yes, that would be fantastic. Unfortunately, the story doesn't have a happy ending and that there were some complications and my principal passed away mm-hmm. um, over the Christmas break. She never, she never made it out of the hospital. So what turned, what was supposed to be a, a couple month thing ended up extending into the rest of the year. Uh, which was talk about baptism by fire. It was, it was a very long six months. Uh, but at the end of that, uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, the district let me know that they were interested in, in offering me the position the following year, like, like permanently, like to be the, the new assistant principal. And as soon as they had told me, as soon as they communicated to me that day, Hey, we're thinking of that we'd like to offer you this, I started to doubt. Hmm. And I remember thinking like, what, what am I doing? You've worked so hard for this and now you're doubting. And I remember I called my dad and I said, dad, I need to talk. 
can you come over tonight? He lives locally. He came over and for two hours we talked back and forth and I'm like, dad, I've been working. I got this credential two years getting a credential and I've had this amazing opportunity. and I don't know if I want it. Mm. Prayed and we talked back and forth. And after two hours, he finally said, what's the desire of your heart? Mm. And as soon as he said that, I lost it. And I just gushed. I just said to go back to the classroom. I thought I was ready, but I wasn't. And that was my decision was made right then and there. The hard part then came telling the district. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, because I'm thinking, am I committing career suicide here? Mm-hmm. They're, they're off- it's like, if I say no, am I going to be blacklisted? But I felt that conviction that this was the right thing to do. And I had that faith that I need, I need to go back to the classroom. And I communicated to our district leadership that with that, like, like that prayer, like, Lord, please help this to go well. And I was told that if anything, I garnered more respect in their eyes because I was following my heart. And I went back to the classroom for three years. And I was, they basically said, you let us know, let us know when you're ready. And I did. And I'm now in the seventh year of the principalship (laughs) after two years at the AP level. So um, that story for me, it like what you had shared in your book and what you just shared at the beginning of the podcast, it reminded me so much of my own experience of the fear that I was struggling with of if I follow my heart, if I do this, this is what might happen. I might be blacklisted. I might never get this opportunity again. But in that moment, and again, like you mentioned, I don't do this well all the time. I don't want to come off like, oh, well, I'm always living in faith because I'm not. But in this instance, I lived in faith. I didn't listen to the fear. I, I led with my heart and it paid off. Um, it, it was the right thing to do for me. And I truly believe that, that, that God blessed that decision. And the things that I learned in those three years back in the classroom, uh, I w- somebody told me, I can't even remember who, but said, you needed to go back to the classroom because there were 90 kids who needed you to be their teacher for those three years. Those 30 kids each year needed you to be their teacher. And I needed them to be my students. I had more to learn. So uh, we don't have, we've got Google Street View, (laughs) not the Google Earth View that God has. Like we don't even see it all, but um, I don't know that, that, that what you, what you wrote resonated so deeply with me because it was so similar to my own experience. I love that uh, story for a lot of reasons. And I wanted to make sure to acknowledge those circumstances for you to be pressed into. It's really hard because anybody in a learning community that's experienced a loss, it's challenging. But to experience the loss unexpectedly of uh, the lead learner in the building, the principal, that would just be, I bet you have uh, stories from that that are still traumatic. You yeah, know, that's that's not that's no joke. <laughs> it was, it was, Transitioning it was, like that. It was the hardest, the hardest six months of my career that felt yeah. like three years. <laughs> 
I bet. And, and two, I think it's really beautiful because I think I've worked enough with, uh, well, I, I was one myself that once you got in, you're like, um, can I go back? I very distinctly remember have, after my first principalship, having a conversation with my principal that I had left as a classroom teacher. And he said, you know, we still have the position open. <laughs> we hired a long-term sub for you. So if you want to come back and I just, I think when you know, you know what you're supposed to do. And if you have to do the hard things you do, but I'm so proud of you for listening. And I imagine that having that uh, six months experience made you a better teacher. And then having that teaching experience with that back view of that administrative lens really made you a better administrator all along. So that's just really beautiful to hear. Oh, it, it, it definitely. And it, it, it gave me such a greater perspective (laughs) because having sat in the, in the administrator chair for six months and then going back to the classroom, it's like, Ooh, you appreciated those classroom things more. Um, but also gave me an appreciation for what an administrator goes through because I had walked in those shoes, uh, for several months. And the, again, one of those things where you would never, you would, I would never wish those circumstances on anybody, on anyone. That being said, when you go through something like that, it's the type of thing where, um, geez, if I can, if I can make it through that, <laughs> uh, I think I'm good. <laughs> so not, I mean, knock on wood. I mean, I want to, I don't want something like that, but, um, when you go through times like that, I think it, it really, it builds you up and it, and it shows you what you are capable of, of, uh, enduring for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think if any of your listeners are principals and I think teachers experience this too, but it's just at such a massive level when you're leading a building in a learning community in that way is that um, it's shocking how much you can endure and how strong you can be when you never thought you would be, you know, and yeah. you're having those conversations with families and maybe you're the one who knows that they're you know, their child passed or I don't know, there's just so much held there in that austere position that you just really can't prepare yourself for. No, no. Until you, until you're, until you're there, (laughs) I mean, you and yeah. And it's, yeah. Until you're there, you will, you will, you don't know. Unless you have that strong foundation, right? Like that's nice to believe in that. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's really every, every episode, kind of has that theme and I always try to pull like a moral a moral or, or something for listeners to to take away and and again in reading your book and talking about you sharing your stories it's just that it, slaying your fear mm-hmm. and, and not being controlled by fear because um, you mentioned like when you, when you were a, a building principal I mean there are so many challenges going on and and there's so many things to fear as a teacher, but as an administrator, I mean, like for me, when I started uh, in admin, the thing that I feared, one of the biggest things I feared, and I don't know if you ever experienced this, was email. <laughs> was uh, is being afraid? I mean, literally, I didn't want to. I didn't want to check my email because I was afraid that there might be a an angry parent in there or some, some kind of complaint. And, 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 and for, for a long time, I let that control me in that it it just, I I lived in fear of that darn outlook, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that darn outlook app. And I've gotten, I mean, and I won't lie and say that 
that never rears its ugly head. But um, have you experienced anything like that in terms of? Oh, yeah. And and my husband's a teacher too. And, and so we talk about this. Those um, emails can be they can just really be a problem. First of all, the volume that you receive oh. as an oh. administrator is just stupid. Um, and and I think our culture has just become so entrenched in that it's easy to just fire off an email, right? Um, and that creates a burden. So actually, I talk a lot about the only way that I was, and I was never really great at managing this. And I started at the end of my career to say to my staff, look, the email is too much. It's taking away from every aspect of my life. I, I got to get a hold of it. So I started to set some very clear boundaries around it. Um, and I was afraid to do that because I felt like, oh, I, I have to have an open door. It has to be in all areas of my life. And so when I had, I think I, I can't remember how I did it, but I, I don't remember how many days I had left when I said this and said, um, an email. If you expect a response in this amount of time, send an email. If you need one by this, send me a text. If you need this, come see me face to face. From now on, I will always, you know, start out like that instead of just when I'm trying to finish well. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, I would say definitely. And, and I will be honest with you, there, there have been times when the email became so dramatic and um, stressful for a, a variety of reasons, um, you know, for listeners, it could be parent, you know, it could be a parent engagement, it could be a colleague, um, you know, for administrators, maybe you've, you've had a tough boss situation or whatever. For me, there could be a particular name that'll pop up in my inbox still. And I will get like, my chest will well up a yep. little bit. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think like turning off notifications, Oh yes. For, for me was the most freeing and for any, and for for people listening right now if you're not if you if you have your notifications on <laughs> it doesn't mean I don't check my email a lot cuz I do but I check it on my time. Yep. And I don't I'm not controlled by the little red number attached to uh, the email icon. I just I I cannot I cannot encourage people enough to turn those off. <laughs> Yeah. When we, and I recommend this in the sessions that I do is to actually take it off your phone. And yeah. the reason for that is, you know, we start to scroll and we, we become inefficient when we do it that way. Uh, but everybody has their systems and I've learned that over time. For me, it was, I would set uh, calendar appointments to check my email and I would say, I'm going to delete it, delegate it, or respond to it um, and just make a commitment to do that. And so and also, you know, you don't check it after a certain amount of time because nothing good happens after 9 p.m. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to solve whatever problem is coming coming through at no, 10 No, I'll just lose sleep. I'll lose sleep over it and it will steal my joy and I will wake up depleted in the morning. So, yes, it's Amen. a good boundary to have for sure. Amen. Amen. Well, Sarah, I just – and for anyone listening, I mean, what I'm taking out of this conversation and what I'm taking from, from reading your book is um, – a life without faith. I mean, for, for you and me, I mean, we are, we are two people of faith. So we know where our faith is and where our hope is. Um, it's hard. <laughs> so I just, um, taking, taking those risks, um, listening when you hear that voice, um, listening, like you said, being obedient and following that voice is, is so, so important. So I just, again, I'm so thankful that you uh, listened to that voice and wrote this book and are encouraging people and um, excited for the opportunity that you get now in your new role to to influence the masses uh, on a much larger scale than, than you had before. 
Well, thank you for that. Before we head out, I wanted to share with you one thing, and I did actually just post this today. It's interesting because uh, in writing this book, I knew the framework um, and I knew that it was leadership-based, and I had a fear of trying to tie it to a spiritual connection for a wide variety of reasons. I think there's, you know, in the Christian faith, there's just so many different interpretations and belief systems, and it just... um you know, it was a challenge to feel like I could be the person to bridge anything for anybody, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I shied away from that. I'll be really honest with you. When I submitted the manuscript in June um, for this, I did not have a lot of connection to biblical truth. And it's really fascinating because it could be a framework that stands alone. It's an acronym. You know, faith is free to be authentically you. Um, the F and A is affirmed in purpose. I is intentionality to influence and inspire others. T is transcending titles and embracing transformation. And H is leading with heart. So it's about wholehearted living and emotional intelligence and um, empathy. And so you could see where that could just stand on its own. And uh, the difference is, and this is the key, is that uh, November that year prior, I had, I was wandering, I was searching, I didn't, I was so lost. I was in the wilderness. I'm like, okay, you know, my family's at school. What am I supposed to be doing? And um, our church did a fast and I thought I'm wasting time. I'm seeking and I'm searching. I'm trying to find a a, a space to work for somebody. I just, I knew that I needed to sit and um, fast wasted time. So I was directed to study the life of David. I've, I've been told long from the Holy Spirit that I have a heart of David. And though I sort of knew what that mean, I did knew what that meant. I didn't know its deepest implications. And so this is the best part, I think. And that's why I wanted to share to have the listeners hear that piece is that my publisher came back and said, I thought this is going to have more of a spiritual connection. And so I said, I was afraid. I thought I'm not, uh, theology is not my area of expertise. You know, I'm speaking from my lens, but I sat in silence and, um, you know, was reminded you have this entire journal that we wrote together (laughs) back in November, look to it. So I looked at it and here it is, you know, it's David's life lived out through the faith framework and it's, um, biblical truth from that. And there's literally a note in there that says someday you will see how we are going to use this time, my daughter. And there Mm -hmm. it was. So there is a spiritual connection because that is how I'm supposed to lead. But I do know in the feedback I continue to get is that people don't feel like they have to have um, my faith to grow in this message. And that to me is what masses means. Yeah. And and I, and I think that that, that comes through for people who, who do share that they can relate to that. But for, like you said, the principles are there um, regardless and, and it's awesome. It's awesome. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Brent. I appreciate you so much. So, well, Again, so for anyone who wants to get in touch with you, uh, wants to follow you online, social media, where can they find you? It's just way too easy. So it's Sarah, S-A-R-A-H-S-A Johnson. And that would be on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. I have a website, which is sarahsajohnson.com. And I'm highly engaged. So, you know, connect with me. I'd love to have a conversation or help you with any question that you have or just have a conversation as well. All right. And the books are Lead with Faith and Balance Like a Pirate. That is correct. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I look forward to continuing to read uh, to read the book. So, Sarah, thank you again for, for taking the time. Um, really, really appreciate you. Thank you, Brent, and for sharing your stories as well. They really hit me tonight. I appreciate that. Very good. Cool. Thank you. And for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. Totally appreciate it. I hope you got something out of this, as I, as I usually say, even if you didn't. 
I did. So really, if no one listens, I'm still getting something something out of this, right, Sarah? Uh, and if you haven't already subscribed, uh, be sure to subscribe to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Uh, if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a review. Again, that that's not about ego or anything like that. It just helps get the message out, gets the podcast uh, more to, like you mentioned, Sarah, to the masses so we can reach uh, a wider audience. And if you're interested, again, my book is called Stories of Edu Influence at storiesofeduinfluence.com. It's all about kind of like what we do on the podcast, stories from my experience. Uh, one of the stories that I shared tonight is chapter 10. So if you like more of those kind of stories, pick up a copy of the book. Uh, and until next time, thanks for tuning in. Have a good one.